Welcome to Turn It Around, the podcast that equips you to take your control of your day and maybe help someone out at the same time. I am your host, Sketch Gustafson, and uh, I am co-host of this show. My partner is across the table from me, my co-host, co-worker, and co-dependent. That would be Mr. Chris Pizzy. Piz, how we doing? I'm doing good, sir. And yourself? I cannot complain. Piz, who do you got for us today? Well, today we got someone I think that's very influential and important in our careers uh, over the last year. Yes. Mr. Kendrick Luckett Epps coming to us by way of Norfolk State University, receiving his master's from St. Leo University. He is a gentleman that has coached, pushed, and cheered us on over the last 10 or so months. You know, it's helping us steer through our careers and really has brought our office, our culture, and our attitudes kind of all together. So, Mr. Luckett Epps, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, first time doing anything like this in a while, so glad to do it with you guys. Uh, it's a pretty special group we have here, so I'm actually honored to be in you guys' presence. Oh, your check's in the mail, man. We'll, we'll keep saying the nice things. <laughs> Check that one out. There's 25 bucks there. No. Well, so let's get started. Um, you know, we're going to ask you a series of questions, kind of introducing yourself and going through, you know, your your career. But let's start with today right now. What uh, what company, what agency, what business are you representing today? Yeah, so I actually work for Chill Level. Um, I actually work in the elite sector or arm of the company, which is um, we more or less do sales coaching, training, and remote management. Um, Chill Level as a whole, we do digital marketing for any kind of service industry, anything along those lines from full digital marketing aspects, videography, social content, um, the whole the whole cluster, the whole gambit. Um, but I really focus up and head up the sales department, um, especially when it comes to getting our guys at the right level, bringing bring clientele on, whether that's a business or a franchise whose sales team is either stagnating or they're either trying to bring in on a new sales team or even just take it up another notch so with the level of uh, revenue that they're bringing in. They bring in someone like me who consults them and works with them on a day-to-day basis and uh, really just does the in and outs of the day-to-day, kind of the nitty-gritty nuances of getting the uh, person to believe in themselves and what they do, and hopefully uh, that all generates to more ROI for everybody, right? Everybody wants to be in this for the mean dollar, so that's what I do. I help you guys uh, grow your revenue and uh, convert more sales. Cool. Say, uh, Kendrick, how long have you been in this industry, sales and all of it? So I would say about 12 years. Like, I, I hope I can stop saying um because I, I know that's terrible for anybody who's speaking publicly. We'll but, take it out in post, man. Know. We'll take it out in post. I, I, I know that's one of the sketches, big things, so I don't want to get in too much trouble. I know I only got like maybe three or four strikes left, so we got a lot of <laughs> to go when we get started. <laughs> um, so I'm not trying to bring too much work into him, but I've been in the industry for about 12 years. We did a lot of other sales before this, so I've been really in business and sales my entire career. But got into restoration around 2000, I guess like 16, 2015-ish, right when I was getting out of uh, my first degree and was working on my second and got into this and Never look back. Restoration has been very, 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 very good for me. Kendrick, do me a favor. Tell me, what's your favorite thing about your position? Favorite thing about my position? I would, That's a great question because there's so many things to pull from. I guess I would say... Working with wonderful and talented position. people, right? 
Yeah, no, that's not it at all. Are you (laughs) handsome and talented people? In his past, Um, anyways. In his past. (laughs) Piz is holding up a card over here saying something about, and don't forget the smart ones, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I would say, uh, of course, working with good people is always a thing, but I would say my number one is actually the, the opposite, right? Those ones where... The ownership doesn't really see much coming out of the relationship. They kind of think it's a, a dying breed, a dying hope. You kind of see a little bit of a glimpse of hope and, and just uh, potential within that person. You're just like, but let's just hold off a little bit. Let's just see. I think there's a few things we can do. So I really like to, uh, the most enjoyable part of my, my job is trying to see somebody who has lost hope, feels as though they're inadequate at their job or just that they can't do it. And we actually are able to turn it around, as you would say. And Ooh, get them wow. to a point where they actually start to realize the the potential that they have in a position like this. Because it's just about patience, listening, um, having a little bit of endearingness and empathy for anybody else on the other side of the table. And, you know, once you guys kind of get that and get some consistency underneath you guys' belts, it's not really rocket science. Um, it's really just being motivated and staying motivated because a lot of times it's our own brains that gets to us. What makes you passionate about your position, about this industry and, and, and the role that you play in it? Yeah, yeah, that's actually, that's funny that you asked that because I, when I got into restoration, man, I was so upset. So just to be honest, this is going to be a very, very open and, and keen type of type of dialogue we have here. I was upset. I was looking to get into either one of the tech companies or something along those lines, um, quick startups, something where I could really get in there. I was really a big fan of the uh, hyper-performance type of markets. And when I got into restoration, because I, mean, I actually just needed a job, I was paying for my second degree as well as my wife's. Uh, and it was really, really like, what does it do? Because I've always heard the old adage that whatever industry you get into, you kind of stay in. And I really felt like I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do right off the bat. But I, I opened my mind. I took away some of the negativity I had and, and what I had accomplished at that point in time. And just kind of dove head first, right? So going ahead and getting all the IRCRC certifications, uh, the whole gambit of it all. And once I actually educated myself, I seen what I was doing was actually providing a level of service that I hadn't seen in this industry yet before. So what makes me passionate about what did I do on a day-to-day basis is because I've actually been in the shoes of the representatives I speak to on a day-to-day basis. I hear the loneliness. I hear the darkness. I hear the bleakness. I hear the struggle. I hear the the hunger for more. And that does nothing but remind me of those long days I was sitting on the road, um, you know, driving all day with no food and no sleep, really pushing myself to the max in the hopes of what was to come. So when I when I get a chance to speak to you know individuals such as yourselves and I can hear you guys are at a, at a plain point and it's really like, man, I, I remember being there. I remember being, you know, in a dark room trying to figure out how and what I was going to pay for my, my wife's next tuition uh, cost. And at the same time, trying to make sure I can at least, you know, prepare some things that I had a few gifts in my mind that I wanted to, you know, get engaged at the time. At that time, you know, I was just working and girlfriend. I had a ring I wanted to buy and everything else. I was so passionate about being successful. And now my success runs through you all. So I'm so passionate about you guys' successes. And any win for you is an even greater win for me. All right. So let's, let's try this. What specifically motivates you at your job, Kendrick? Um. Hmm. You can say money. You can. I mean, money is an no. obvious thing. Working with talented individuals is another thing that you know, a diamond in the rough. But money's a good thing too. Yeah, yeah, money, money. Uh, not to you know brag or things like that, but when you're in sales and you've been doing it pretty well for a while, uh, money's not really been an issue. So I wouldn't say money really doesn't motivate me anymore. Um, it used to be to the point where my success motivated me because I was doing it for so many other people. I had so many uh, people that I was kind of a role model for. 
So that really drove me. But I guess now my biggest impact is, one, the legacy I'm leaving behind with my last name. But secondly, the impact I'm able to get into with the company that I have, I have, you know, I'm right there in the executive suite, the executive board. So I have a lot of say when it comes to day-to-day operations and how we're going to be taking on the new branches of the company going forward. So I think that's really something that motivates me. It's just a, the continuous progression and, and never settling. So in the, the role that you're in and working with tier level and, and specifically on the elite side, yeah. what do you see as one of the biggest problems, biggest obstacles that you come across? You know, the question kind of says, how can this company like us help? But clearly you're helping us. So what are the obstacles and, and problems that you see on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, that, man, that's a, poof, that, Christy, that's a, that's a great question. That, you kind of got me stumped on that one because I have so many obstacles that I think people don't see. And two of them are in this room. Two of them are sitting at this table. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not even and just that, but in how I can help you guys. Like I spend a lot of night, uh, you know, sleepless nights trying to figure out what angle am I missing, what haven't I told them yet, um, we do a lot of the weekly trainings, and it's always in my mind of I've asked for updates on you know what training should I be doing or what can I help you more with, and I feel like everybody kind of has that bias in effect where nobody wants to really be like the loud one. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, a bit of deciphering, right? Because they won't open up and tell you what it is that they need help with, but you can see it. You just can't exactly put your finger on what it is that's going to make the difference for them because every sales rep is different, right? It's something I may be able to do to help with, with you sketch might not help Chris P and vice versa. So it's always a little bit of kind of playing dominoes to see what falls in front of each other to make that impact that really, you know, makes all the difference for that rep. All right. So before I go on to the next question here, a side question. Sure. When you... When you start with people, what do you see as the major thing? Is it a trust thing? Is it a communication thing? What do, what do you see as the hardest thing to get past on the individual? I know when I look back at when we first got together as a team, one of, mm-hmm. the, th- one of the things that I was concerned about was, okay, this is another person that has come in. We had gone through several people and, and it was a little bit of a matter of a trust. Do you see anything other mm-hmm. than that? No, no, no. That's pretty spot on. Um, it's not really just that, but that is definitely one of the key components I definitely will see. I'd say trust, lack of communication, uh, exactly what you said when it comes to turnover fatigue, right? I've tried to do this before. I've had or spoke to multiple people before. What are you going to do differently? All the other guys said that they were going to stay there and actually be dedicated, and then they weren't, right? What makes you different? So I think all of those things. It's also also the, the big thing is a lot of times a lot of these owners are paying us to tell them what they do wrong, and that kind of is a big hurdle to jump over because they may take a bit of time for them to identify with, oh, these guys actually know what they're talking about, and it's not you know personal. And then two, what can they do to fix and make the changes that they always embark on and saying that they wanted to make, uh, but they got to realize they have to be a part of that, that proponent of change as well. All right. So do you, <laughs> we're going off on a sideline here. Do you, do, Please, you have, I love do, it. do you have a template or a standard if you say, well, I'm going to start working with these people and say that it's an issue with not only the individual or the team, but the ownership. If we haven't reached a goal by this time, this needs to happen or anything like that. Do you have metrics like that? Yeah, it's a little bit more of a roadmap than it would be metric-wise because everything we do is based off of what you guys projected out the year before, right? That's why anytime we work with somebody, we ask for the last year's numbers so we can analyze where should we look in for for projection-wise. 
right? But it's not just about the numbers because you have to also take into account for the at-bats, right? Are we getting more attempts at bat than we were last year, right? Are we converting more? Is our is our RBIs bigger than they were last year, right? Or are we kind of still slugging it out, still hitting, you know, bare minimum, right? <laughs> the triple triple lead type of ball, right? right. That's really the difference. So I, I think it's not so much of metrics because their metrics can't be so. Um, I guess in a sense they, they become ambiguous just because they can't be uh, apples to apples when it comes to every franchise. Every franchise, geographic territory, everything like that is a little bit different. So I, I, what I do is uh, anytime I work with anybody new, I put them through an entry interview. And it's a series of about 20 questions. And it's trying to just gauge where do you want to grow? What's most important to you at this point in time? Because that's the thing, too. Is it's all relative. Like What I think may be important to grow doesn't mean – Jack Squat, which is the business owner themselves, saying, I want to grow bigger and let's just say reconstruction. Okay, so now we have to put some initiatives and plans together to help the reconstruction side and put processes in place to make sure that it flows efficiently. Got it. Okay, understandable. Thank you. Now on to my yeah. real question. Sure. So w- as you look back on where you are right now, what can the individual, what can I learn from your success? Then it takes time and it's never going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. Right. I do. I do something today that I was dreaming about 15 years ago. I, I am an actual sales and marketing executive. Um, I have my MBA. I had just some of these goals that were out there for me. And I thought they were going to happen so much faster. And I thought it would look different than it does, too. Like it, it's, I, it was funny. I woke up one day and I just kind of did a checklist of all my goals. And I was like, oh, crap, I met them all. Time to redo this thing all over again. Oh, yeah. Right. Because I thought that it was going to look a little different than what it does. I'm so incredibly passionate about the things I get to do with you guys on a day-to-day basis, but I'm even, I think, more driven by I'm not finished, and I don't feel like I've accomplished as much as I should yet, so I'm always a little bit still hungry. You might have answered the next question with that that hunger line, but what makes yeah. you and your role unique compared to you know those before you, those similar in your industry, even within the same company, right? What makes you kind of stand out and something that you kind of wear as a badge of honor. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's a good one. I would say my passion and true care, right? And Sketch, you can get ready to have your, your bleep-a-thong thing ready to go. <laughs> Here we go. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 where is it? I'm, I'm looking for it now. Hold on. <laughs> go ahead, bud. No, I just think that a lot of times, we're ready in the, countdown, in the countdown of seven. I think a lot of times that a lot of people in the industry just don't give up. They just really don't. They they really say that they do, but they only look at the numbers. And people don't realize that the derivative to numbers, which is your most valuable asset, which is, which is your people. Right? I think we focus too much on just the nitty gritty, what's the next job, what's just in front of us, rather than the people that we work with. Because none of this actually happens without those moving bodies. Right? Nothing happens without inertia coming into actually from being kinetic energy to being something that actually goes forward, right? So if you aren't putting your all into the people you deal with, no matter how good your equipment is, your car, your vehicle, your your business license, the marketing stuff you have out there, none of it matters unless you have the people that are promising on what you promised you would deliver. So I think that's really the, the, the big key that separates me from everybody else, as well as, like I said, and I know I harped on this once before, but I actually were in you guys' footsteps. Like I, I wore those shoes. I wore down the the casual business shoe that was made for walking and I had no rubber at the bottom of my shoes. Like I actually walked a mile, if not multiple miles, 
in that lonely space of sales with little to no direction. So I think it's so important that we have people that actually know what they're talking about, one, and actually give a heck about the people that they're dealing with, too. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot because I want to touch on something Patrick said, something you have said now about caring, right? What do you say to those people within our industry, within really industry, any industry in the sales realm that say, don't take it personal, right? What's the difference between taking it personal and legitimately caring and giving up about it? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a mix between, you know, what, what do they say? Well, one half dozen or whatever the heck Baker's dozen, dozen, whatever that's yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a country boy, so I don't really know what the, 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 the most political way to say that. But I think there's a little bit of a mixture of both, right? It's, it's kind of like when somebody says, you know, um, don't be sensitive, but don't have too tough of a skin as well, right? It's like you you want to be prepared for it, but the way that you put so much of yourself into everything you do, every call, every email, um, you really put yourself out there on the line because you're telling that person to trust in you, not just in the business that's representing behind you, but to trust in me. So when things do, when things go wrong or things occur, um, it is a, a little bit of a slight. And I think that's why I go above and beyond the way I do because I still have that edginess. It, it does feel personal, but you have to remember that it's not, right? You have to remember that you have to remove yourself and say, okay, what can I do to provide a solution? Rather than to just continue to talk about it, right? Whether, whether someone went with someone else, whether someone's talking bad about me, whether you know they just refuse to use me because of who I am. Wherever that may be, it's still just the same thing whether I wake up yesterday or today, I got to produce, right? So how do I move this relationship forward? And whatever the occurrence was that already happened, I can't fix what was the past, but I can try to make sure the maturation of the, of the relationship goes forward. So it's, it's just one of those type of things where you don't want to take it personally. It always itches at you a little bit, right? But you have to then, you know, shake it off and be like, okay, what can I do to continue to provide value and to be a value add? Okay, so how long ago did all of us meet for the seminar? We were trying to figure this out last time with Pat. How long I ago was that? I think it was about... Four and a half months ago, maybe five months ago, um, it, it was still cold, right? And it's August now. God, what, so I, was I it that it was, short of a time? It, was, it feels like forever ago. It's <laughs> no, I know it feels forever ago. Come so far. It was really a different. <laughs> Christy, you said it so right, man. We've come so far. <laughs> oh, you heard even that? The we, oh, I hear everything. <laughs> even the relationship we had before, like to now, it's so different. Like we've come so far, drastically so far that it's almost <laughs> pathetic about what we thought we were doing well back then. <laughs> so what we're doing now because it's like oh wow now i see some of it but uh i think that was one of the most influential trips on me not just you know what i felt like came from it but i, I really feel like uh me as well as sean i can even you know if, if, if pat will attest to it i can even say i think pat left different as an individual that day being in close proximity to with you guys for that period of time it really gave me some different perspectives. And I think the course as a whole has become so much better because of it. And I feel like uh, I let a little bit of my own guard down as well. And I think that's where we kind of all planted the seed of trust and let it, yeah. let, you know, let it grow throughout the rest of that's, the year. That's yeah. where we gelled. So, okay. Yeah, so spe- sure. speaking as somebody who has attended this sem- seminar, is that correct? Am I, is that mm-hmm. a seminar? Okay. Yes. That's first time. Yes. yes. Uh, I see it for, for me at least that it turned a corner. It turned a corner because now it's not just somebody checking in on Zoom and it's not just somebody sending email. There's a face, there's a personality. You have gone, you've hung out with them, you have spent some major time with it. It's not just the boss going, You're going to do this. This is. 
This is a matter of sitting down and saying, okay, we're in this together. Let's do this. Yeah, it, it became a little bit more real. Correct. Right? I was actually there. I was in person. You can laugh and joke. And when you had a question, you didn't have to wait for an email response back. You can just say, hey, Kendrick, what do you think about this? Yes. And yes. It was, it, it's a little bit different. It, it definitely felt different. I think that's one of the things we're missing from COVID. It's just human interaction and just, you know, the, the esteem that you can get from something as, as simple as an actual facial reaction rather than trying to hear it through the phone or catch it in a quick glimpse on a Zoom. I think uh, being human is something that's getting lost with this whole COVID thing. And hopefully it's over sooner than later. Okay. So let's shift gears here a little bit. So yeah. we, we always ask this because one of the things that we're in this show, all the listeners that we have, um, have my business cards. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm wondering, did I leave one with you? You, you actually, I am one of the sole individuals who has not gotten granted. <laughs> you are actually uh, cardless. You know, promissory note. <laughs> yes, I am actually cardless. But but I I actually I don't know if the rest of the audience has ever gotten the uh, impromptu visit. I got a, I got a chance to get a glimpse inside the book. The the ones where all the drawings actually first happened, anyways. Oh, oh, and, that's uh, right. Some of your work. Some of your work of your older stuff is some of my favorite too. So co-sign what uh, Chris P said. I like some of the older stuff. It was funny. It was real. It was raw. And I think it was a great outlet for you as well, right? Now people expect it from you. People love them so much that it's more or less, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're putting out the proper message. But some of your stuff that you were able to just put your own emotions into, I thought it had a real sense of genuineness to it. Wonderful. Okay. So as, as you look at the cards, now and you have been a coach for me on this, and so you're, you're a mentor yep. on this. What do you see as one of the major plus aspects uh, for those cards and how they, and how they when they're given out to people, what do you see as a positive coming from that? Yeah, I, I see multiple positives. One is just an icebreaker. I told you that from the get-go when we first met. with like, man, this is an awesome idea just to break the ice. It's so hard to come in to any type of situation, new business to new business, and something just spark a conversation. And I think it's a nice little way to have an icebreaker if you walk in and see one of your cards already on the, on, on the board or something. As well as I think it gives you something to be remembered by, right? Everybody knows the guy with the, with the, with the sketches. Like nobody else that I'm aware of, and I'm pretty, pretty involved, that has something that unique to their own tailored brand. And I think it's phenomenal that you've been able to set that out for yourself, that little vertical, that little niche. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it, it's really awesome when sketch walks in the room and they're like these are awesome and then they turn to me and yeah. they say what do you do and it's like well, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, i'm the face man i'm the face <laughs> yeah i'll fill the water cooler paint your front porch i don't whatever you got i just can't draw during the day you know the going back to the the title of this podcast with turning you know turning around and whether that means making someone else's day bright or you know opening the window and turning the lights on, on in your own day. How do you turn it around for others that, that you come across? Yeah. Not just Sketch and I, the team. Um, obviously, there's a, a big a big audience that, that you have at your disposal for people that are coming to you for, for help, for guidance, for confidence. How do yeah. you turn it around for them? Um, I would say I got two answers for this, so bear with me. I, I would say one would be getting all of myself. My wife thinks I'm kind of weird because after work, I don't want to talk, but it's because I've talked all day just trying to fill people with the hope and the belief that they can do it, as well as I pay attention to the details. I, I am one of those people who am continuously scouring reports to see if there's trains that I haven't yet noticed or that I can be doing better. I turn it around by being direct, by you know addressing problems before they 
overflow or come to a head to a point where they're you know irreconcilable. So I, I think that's how I turn things around for individuals: being direct, giving all of myself, and being there right away when there's something going on. Because um, I want to make sure that you feel supported and that you know that you have somebody that has your back. And I'll I'll echo that, right? If I text you, if I call you, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, weekend, bright and early in your time, or late at night in mine. You you pick up the phone and you respond. So yeah. that uh, speaks volumes for you. It does. I appreciate that. The the other thing, and maybe I'm just piggybacking on this, is that a lot of times when we're out on the routes, when we're visiting people, doing sales. Sometimes it gets a little heavy and you can feel mm-hmm. a little alone out there. So it is nice to have somebody that you can call that you don't necessarily have to go, this is what I did and this is what I did and this is what I said and this is what he said. It's just a matter of, dude, it was just a bad call and I just I just need somebody to talk to for a second. That's huge. Yeah, and I think it's different with each and every individual too, right? Because the conversations look completely different depending on the rest I'm talking to, right? Some One person that may be pushing them to do more. I think they can do more. I think that they are selling themselves short, right? They're not pushing as hard as they could be, or they may still be a, a bit fearful when it comes to some, asking certain types of questions. So I'm pushing them outside of their, their comfort zone. Where other individuals, it's completely just mental. They have all the skill and ability in the world, and it's just, hey, man, you got this. Like, if you don't trust in yourself, they're going to feel that, right? They're going to be able to sense that type of energy off you. Go in there with complete confidence. And if you have a question that you don't know the answer to, call me. I'll get you the answer, right? Whereas other individuals where it's just talking about angles, right? I got this and this coming up where I want to be able to work on. What should I, what, how should I play it, right? So the conversations look completely different. But any way I can be of some source of, uh, of help, I try. Because I really do remember those days where there wasn't anybody to call. And I was just flailing, man. I was wishing I had somebody to call. Um, and I don't ever want you guys to feel like that. Can you give us exam- an example? Can you, without... You know, just give us something hard that was difficult yeah. and, and how you turned it around. Hmm, that's a good one. Ah, let me see. Uh, me in your shoes or me in my position on me now? Um, me, first thing that comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. That's a good one. Yep. Okay. I won't say the rip, but there was a, a bit of an issue once upon a time where uh, the individual was having a hard time getting out of their own way, right? They were starting to make a little bit of sales, but they were starting to feel themselves a little bit. <laughs> and had had ownership and management call me and say, man, you've got to get this dude under control. He thinks we work for him. Like, I don't know what's going on. This He's doing great, but this isn't going to be able to work if this is how it's going to go. So it was like, okay, no problem. But let me just make sure I'm hearing you correctly. All right, so you, you love what he's doing, what he's bringing to the table. You love the new angles that he's, he's approaching things with. You just don't know, like the way he's coming at you guys or approaching these subjects. Correct. Okay, perfect. That's a quick fix for me. So it was actually quite, quite you know, contentious for a bit because ownership really didn't like the way this individual was coming into the office, acting as if they were ruling things and vice versa. The, the, the rep didn't feel as though they were seeing their point of view or their side of things. Um, so I was able to kind of do a little bit of, uh, you know, divide and conquer. I was able to speak with each of the individual key pieces, which was ownership, management, and the rep, individually. It just validated what the, what was going on and what, what needed to be fixed. And the main thing was just a different level of decorum about how to act towards people. You get a lot further being genuine, sweet, nice, rather than, you know, telling somebody, hey, move it. You got to hear it to get this thing done. My job comes first. It's a different way to be able to approach things. 
So once I actually, you know, set this person down and let them know they were a communication beacon for that franchise and whatever that individual did would start to exude up to others, they started to click and start to understand. And I, you know, had a few one-on-ones with the management as well and just tried to make sure we set a, a active gauge of when things ever kind of bubbled over like that, she would feel free to give me a call. Things have been going pretty sweet since then. So that's a great way of being just one example of the main things I do on a daily basis. I'm just turning it around. I usually am uh, constantly putting out fires or finding the extended extinguisher for someone else. What advice do you have for people in your position on bettering someone else's day, on, on turning it around? Uh, take a vacation. <laughs> no. Uh, you heard, yes. Sketch's yeah. ears just perked. Hello, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Sketch, you said in my position, people to deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's funny. Gotta go. Talk to you later, buddy. Signal's breaking up, man. And <laughs> hey, we got a bad right, connection right. here. Bad, bad connection now, right? Exactly. No, no, no. Um, I would say, hmm, man, Christy, you, you dropped some bombs today, man. Great, great questions. I never would have thought that you, you would have been so good at this interrogative style. Like, goodness gracious. Um, let me see. Something I would tell somebody in my role. I would say stay right up, honestly, because you guys come, like, I, I don't think you guys even realize it. You are always um, challenging us on things, which continue, continues to make us better. So I feel as though if anybody feels as though they know it all or that they have all the answers, if somebody even says something like that, completely just run away. Like, that person is not who you want to deal with. They're not going to be the type of coach or mentor that you need because they feel as though they're stuck in their ways. And the biggest thing we're trying to get you guys to do is to get outside of your own way, get outside of your box, get out of your own spectrum, thinking about a term. Um, so you'll be meeting, you know, fire or fire if you were to meet someone like that. So I would say anybody who's in this position and truly passionate about making a difference that's beyond yourself, right? I think people want to get way too much credit for stuff. Um, just continue to read so that you're constantly knowledgeable because you will be tested every day. Getting on phone calls, Zooms, text messages with you guys is literally like a pop quiz for me every time. Because I don't know what you guys are going to say, but I know I'm, I'm standing to back to be able to make sure I have a, either a resource for you guys or some type of experience that I've had to help you guys out through it. Wonderful. Kendrick, we have come to the end of our interview with you. Thank you very much for appearing on our show today. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. It's been a complete pleasure. Um, if we have people that are listening that are interested in, in what you do and what your company does, where can they get a hold of you? Web addresses, things like that. Yeah, if you guys want to go to the tillevel.com, we have a little uh, I guess inquiry uh, format that you guys can go in there. If you guys want to Actually, just email me, which is best, probably my best contact. You guys can just hit Kendrick at chilllevel.com, and I'll be uh, at your service. It's not really that hard to get in touch with me. I'm not like these two gentlemen here who are, but at this part of the secret service, it's hard as it is to get in touch with them. Well, uh, that just ensured somebody's personal phone number is going to be on the show notes. (laughs) 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 But no, man, thank you guys for having me on. It's uh, a pleasure to take up a little bit of you guys' time. And, uh, just hopefully we, we're on to something big, and thank you guys for uh, this allowing me on this episode. Look forward to being on the next one. Man, I just want to say thanks for all you do. Yeah, um, you you truly do turn it around for others. I don't yeah. know if you uh, feel that impact or, or hear the praises enough, but really appreciate you coming on, giving some time, and uh, doing what you do. Wonderful, thank you, man. I appreciate you guys. You guys are killing it. Is is there anything else, Biz, that you want to share with the audience before we sign off? Mm-hmm. I'm good. <sighs> We got to come up with something there. 
All right. Yeah, hey. man. You need a you need you need a, you need an outro for yourself, Chris. Be just gonna be something splashy. We're gonna work on it now. Now you gotta be working on a new project. I'll be up tonight thinking about ideas. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can we wrap up a podcast? Yes. I'm gonna reach, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. What's the best way to wrap up a podcast? <laughs> Is it by telling a joke? Hey. Uh, two Serpro reps walk uh, into a marketing seminar? No, nothing. Anyway, so uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, and to all my customers and clients, thank you for following along and thank you for supporting all that we are doing here. Uh, for myself, for Chris Pizzi, and for our guest, Kendrick, we thank you for listening. We will catch well, I hope you. They <laughs> Cutting room floor. We will, we will, you can't laugh, man, when doing that. Um, we will catch you all next time. Thank you very much and enjoy your day. Bye bye. How do you turn it around for others? I call bingo numbers in my underwear. <laughs> A fourteen and twelve. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Kendrick. We're having a bad connection here, buddy. You got hello, hello. Oh my goodness. Oh, dude. I think we lost Kendrick. There's. I hate you guys so bad.